The information on this podcast is not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All information contained on or related to this podcast is for general information purposes only. We're talking to Mike Short who is here to not only share about his journey from, you know, diagnosis to dealing with symptoms to managing his disease, but we're definitely going to be talking to Mike about sport uh, because sport has played a huge role in Mike's life uh, in dealing with IBD and the, the comfort and the strength that he's really found when turning to sport. Yeah, so get ready for that. This is Guts. And Glory. Okay, so we are here with Mike, who is 27 now, but he was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when he was 21, um, and his journey has been quite an interesting one, and, you know, Lisa, I think we're really excited that he's here with us today, because um, what we're going to talk about is really disease and sport, Yeah, actually. And, uh, I think it's interesting to uh, note that this is... Somebody who backs up my theory Absolutely. of uh, exercising and uh, sport to uh, cause pain relief. Absolutely. So I'm very excited to talk to him. Which arguably is sometimes, you know, when you're dealing with fatigue and exhaustion, oh, it's the hardest thing to think about. Like there's the no way. It's the away from where you think you want to be. Exactly. Yeah. So. Okay. So Mike, let's start by, you know, tell us what your life was like. Post, no, pre-diagnosis, pre-diagnosis Pre-pain, actually. Yeah, pre-pain. Um, well, pretty normal, to be honest. Uh, university student, went straight in from high school. Um, everything seemed normal. You know, I'm gaining weight like a first year normally does. And what university did you go to? Uh, I started at Ryerson, okay. um, but I just graduated from UOIT. Mm-hmm. So um, that actually fits into the whole diagnosis story. And you were, enough. you were like physically active before your diagnosis as well. It, yeah, I was. Um, my childhood was really physically active. I went to university and it kind of, you know, now you're out of house league sport, mm-hmm. not quite at the adult sport level. Um, so it took a couple years off, um, gained a lot of weight actually, uh, just eating fast food. My diet's the always been Freshman uh, 15, yeah. yeah. Mr. Noodle. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was bad. Ramen noodle becomes your best friend. (laughs) It was even worse because I was dating a girl at the time, and they give them their food card, and by the end of every semester, you have to get rid of that money. And so she'd always turn to me and be like, I got like 500 bucks left, and there's two weeks left. Oh, the resident food. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you know, the food, the meal plans. Yeah, yeah, the meal plans. So it was basically like a buffet for two weeks of like chicken fingers and pizza, and so that added up quickly it's a good life um yeah i can't say i complained at first (laughs) and then i looked in the mirror and was like okay now now i see we got a problem um so actually around that time my parents got divorced um my dad turned to fitness first kind of thing and he started kickboxing Mm. i'd seen the ufc and i was like hey I i think i could do that that's fun that's a good relief started kickboxing one thing led to another got into jujitsu got into competing um Started weight cutting. And this was all like around the 1920-ish age? Yeah, yeah. I I started kickboxing around, I'd say, 19. Did that for a year and a half. Got into jujitsu, submission wrestling. Started competing. Still going to school. Um, School was kind of in the background, to be honest. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I wasn't really into the engineering, to be honest. People always roll their eyes, but I got kind of bored with it. And that's what you were doing at Ryerson? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Kind of got bored with that, started focusing a lot on sport, um, weight cutting, diet started to go bad, just overtraining all the time, started to get really sick. Um, around that time, I started to notice a little bit of symptoms popping up, you know, a little bit of blood, but nothing concerning. Um, and then... So you were overdoing the fitness side of things. Yeah, without knowing what I was getting involved in. Lots of working out, like two, three times a day. When and then, you, excuse me, sorry. When you said weight cutting, I just want to, I mean, I just want to make sure I understand that. When you say weight cutting, are you, do you mean you're trying to lose weight or weight cutting is a specific way of losing weight? So what I was trying to do was get as small as I could weight-wise without losing muscle 
And then before the competition, you would do things like cut water weight. So you would go into the sauna, sweatsuits, sweat stuff like that. Um, to be honest, some some pretty crazy stuff. Like and is this because the sport, like jiu-jitsu, was like the smaller you are, the better? Or that was putting you in a better weight class? Yeah, so it's very weight dependent. So if I can cut weight for the weigh-in, get as small as I can, and then depending on the competition, some of them have next day competitions. If I can get as small as I can the night before and then put all the weight back on for the next day, I'm going to be massive compared to my competition. Mm. So that was, that was always the goal when I was competing. Now, this doesn't sound healthy for the body. It's truthfully, it's <laughs> ironic because you think, you know, martial arts fighters, you look at them on TV, you're like, oh, I want the six pack. I want the muscles. It is probably the most unhealthy sport I've ever partaken in other than football. But that's you a whole see, different. You see like boxers in UFC, they do that too, do they not? Yeah. Like they do their weigh-ins. It's, it's on TV. It's a huge problem. Huge problem. Yeah, this, so this, this is not, this is shock to your system. Yeah. Yeah, and okay. so at the time, I'm, I'm 1920, not really paying attention to it. I didn't honestly really care. I was like, this is cool. I can say I'm a fighter. Um, I ended up getting strep throat and the flu at the same time before a competition and went on a huge antibiotic spree. Um, then I noticed the symptoms started to get really bad. Um, After your antibiotics? Yeah, it started to get bad. You did have blood before that, though. A little bit. Nothing okay. Nothing that was like, oh, okay, I got to go see a doctor. I was like, oh, maybe I'm just walking a lot. You know, stuff you try to tell yourself. Um, but then I also, after the antibiotics, a friend of mine said, oh, you're having trouble weight cutting. Here's some laxative tea. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, and our colons. Our uh, colons. <laughs> what makes it worse is I got no instruction. It was take these five days in a row. No, no pamphlet, no nothing. Just here's the tea bags. I'm 19. I'm like, okay, this guy's successful. He's he had some gold medals. I'm like, I'll do it. Five days go by, and then it didn't stop, didn't stop, didn't stop, and then the symptoms just hit me like a brick. Lots of blood at this point. Um, or, more so mucus. Oh yes. The blood. The blood came and went, but more so pain. It was mm. the pain that got me. Went and saw my family doctor, and you know he did all the unpleasant exams. Had you had told him about your laxatives that you were taking and trying to, he had all that background? He was, the family doctor, he, my family doctor's great. I got nothing bad to say about him. Um, but he basically just wanted to make sure, okay, is it is it cancerous? Can I do anything about it? Yeah. But and that's that good was, that he that started that big right away. Uh, absolutely. Some doctors might have been like, oh, this is because of what you've been doing to your body for the last however long, you know? Exactly. Now, do, you, do you think you got his attention, um because you never had any symptoms like this before like d were you somebody who minimized pain previously to mm. that like yeah. what's your headspace going into that appointment with your doctor so truthfully i went in thinking nothing's wrong i'm you know i figured it's it was part of the game of fighting to be honest you right. hear i hear about elite athletes especially long distance runners who you know they overdo it um there's symptoms of, you know, you pee blood because your muscles are breaking yeah. down. Mm -hmm. um, I figured it was something So you were associating way. it to the sport. Yes, I was. I was I was just, you know, overdoing it, not being responsible. After that appointment, he sent me to the specialist. I started thinking, okay, this is serious. And now, A gastroenterologist? Uh, I'm not sure if that's what he was. Or but it if was, he was somebody who was going to look deeper into Yeah. And so he did, um, he examined... It was probably the most uncomfortable thing I've ever done. Uh -huh. it was, I, I was awake for the whole thing. So did you have like a flexible sigmoidoscopy? I think that's what it was. They don't go yeah. all the way in. <laughs> that's and definitely what it was. And they normally don't freeze you yeah, or no, give you any numbing at all. No, and it was, there was no prep for it. I showed up. Yeah, no prep. Yeah, there's yeah, like, we're, we're doing this. <laughs> he looks in, he goes, that's odd. He goes, it's either polyps or, you know, it might be cancer. I don't want to scare you. I don't know what it is. Took a biopsy. Oh, sent polyps. me. Wow. Oh, and, and a biopsy while you're away. And a biopsy. Yeah. Usually yeah. more than once. They clip, clip, clip. Ah. Yeah. Kay. So that was, that was quite uncomfortable. Sends me to another specialist. Sends me to um, my gastro, yeah. who, from my recollection, I don't remember meeting him before my colonoscopy. It was just, I went right into the procedure. I got the instructions right into the procedure. Sometimes that's usually when you do meet them for the first time, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And then so, they say, I want to see you in blah, blah, blah in a few weeks. That's sort of really, <laughs> yeah. 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 So I remember going for that. Um, he did his tests. I'm nervous because I think it's cancer. I always, you know, that was the worst case scenario in my mind. Of course. He uh, does the process. I wake up and he comes up to me. He hands me my prescription for Mesavant. 
doesn't really say too much about it. <laughs> he says, you have ulcerative colitis. Um, we'll be in touch. We'll set up the appointment. I'm still waking up. So I'm seeing this guy. I'm like, oh, I saw you before I went under. So you must be my doctor. And that was it. On my way. Gone. That's so exactly like, what happened to me. Mm -hmm. Not, Here's my little piece of paper. Google it. Yeah, and Google it. I was told. I was actually told to Google it. I didn't even do that. Yeah. I was just like, okay, I take my medication. It goes away. I'm happy. <sighs> I went a year without realizing this was chronic. Okay. All right. Whoa. Yeah. All right. So you have your ulcerative colitis diagnosis and now. Mm -hmm. You're just waking up. You have a prescription, and you're you're leaving that appointment. Do you tell any? Do you talk to anybody about it? Do you like? How long did he tell you to take the Mesovan for, the 5-ASA? I believe my prescription had three months on there. Okay. Worth. And your appointment to see him, because it's, so, it's like bang yeah, we're really on. really trying to nail down. This is bang on exactly what happened to me. Like, bang on. And I think um, for a lot of people. Yeah. I think the fact that this is coming up again is just like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, so within that three months that you were given that prescription, did you see him again in office? I know I saw him before the prescription ran out because right. I know he doesn't refill over the phone. So when you saw him, you saw him in person yeah. at his office. Yeah. And then he just renewed your prescription? Uh, we had a chat about how I was feeling. Yeah. Um, to be honest, like I said, I didn't know what it was. I honestly didn't care as long as the symptoms were you better there. at that point? I was better. And I, that was just oral tablet? Yeah. No enema, no suppository? No. None wow. of that. He, uh, he mentions that later on an appointment and I just kind of laughed at him. I was like, I'm not doing that. And I just Boys ignored it. Boys have this thing with their butts. Yeah, they do. Well, <laughs> like, it's, it's a You know, thing. I, I'll be honest. I hear the word suppository and I, what goes on in my do head you is, I'm not doing that. Oh, not I don't care. Thing. I'm not doing that. I don't that. care. Even now, like this is a true personal story about suppositories and enemas. Every night I have to put an enema in every night right now because I'm still flaring, you know? And, you know, we're, we're in, I have to do it when I'm lying down. So at first I told Daryl, like, you know, just wait until I'm done and then come in. And now he just gets in bed and rolls the other way. And I put in the, I put in the enema. He kisses me goodnight. I wait 10 minutes clicking around on my phone. And then I go to bed. That's really, that's really, and that is, that's, that's every day. That like, is like, the, the, like that's paradise to somebody with Crohn's and colitis, right? Like your partner is just like, I'm, I got you. I'm just going to go to sleep while you do your thing. I'm here. Like what? Oh, whatever. Yeah. You know, and, I, I just occurred to me too how much easier having Crohn's would have been had the smartphone been invented when I was a <laughs> right? kid. You know, so, so like the, so an enema for our listeners, enema's liquid. Um, some people think enema makes you go to the bathroom, but it doesn't. It enema's not. It, it's just a liquid that's inserted into the colon and then it absorbs into the lining of the colon a lot, a lot quicker. Um, a suppository is a pill, usually a horse size pill, yep. um, that you the size of an actual that, horse, right? That you insert. <laughs> As far as you can. Um, but a lot of the suppositories now come with little finger condoms. Have you seen them? No, like, I haven't. But that is a, a great <laughs> accessory. Isn't it? It's a perfect accessory. So, you just okay. put the little finger condom on and push. It would you be know? great if they could have like one that's just like a ring that has like a spring-loaded tip. And it just shoots so you just in there. just put it on and just to a point and then you just push the button on the side of your finger and just boing, like, right you inside. Know, like if you have a yeast infection, you get those canestin applicators. We got to rush to the patent office right, right after this. <laughs> so within three months, yep. you were getting better just with oral yeah. mesivant. Yeah. So that's great. So when you went back to see him, did he extend your medication or did you stop taking your medication? No, so he extended it and it was at that point that he refilled the prescription that I went, okay, hold on, this is weird, I'm better. There's nothing going on and yet I still have to take so this medication. So you were taking what, four to eight, four or eight? Uh, I was only taking two. Oh. So it was very, oh very gosh. mild. So this this is what I'm wondering. At the point where you left uh, your colonoscopy mm -hmm. and to the point where you had this first uh, doctor's appointment and you're taking the medication and everything, do you know that you have a chronic disease? Do you know that you have something that isn't going to be with you for the rest of your life? So I had no idea. I just knew... You just thought you were hardcore sick because who gets a prescription for three months? Yeah, I knew I was sick. Yeah. That much I knew. I thought it would go away once the prescription was done, right. like anything else I'd experienced. Um, like a regular antibiotic. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it was working. Things were going away. So I'm like, this is great. I'm cured. Did you keep playing sports at this point? I was you, still competing, actually. Were you still, like, cutting weight and doing all that stuff? Once these symptoms all happened, I stopped the weight cutting. I was like, you know what? Like, this is great competing. 
if gold medal means I have to be sick all the time, I'm not doing not that. Not worth it. So I ended up going up a weight class. So that you were said, well enough to continue fighting, yes. to can you continue working out. Yeah. Um, all that being said, I went up to the higher weight class and just got destroyed. So <laughs> right. my, my fighting career turned from co competition to recreation at that point. Um, that How was that for you, though? Were you okay with accepting that? Um, at first, no. Mm. I'm a very competitive guy. Like, sometimes I'll play video games and I'm like, okay, this is intense. We need to win. Well, you're that guy that throws the controllers and stuff? Not that intense. Oh, okay. I've, I've played with those guys and they scare me, like, to no end. <laughs> so I try to avoid them. Um, but even like, I'll go to drop in soccer. If I let in a goal, like, why did that go in? That can't happen again. I'm just, I'm that competitive. Mm. Um, so it was a bit of an, an adjustment there. Uh, as long as I was still doing something physically active, I was okay. It had to be comforting not to see the blood and the mucus and stuff anymore though. That had to. Yeah, absolutely. And so it was kind of like, I feel great. You know, I'm not injured all the time. Um, mm. I'm doing this for fun. And I'm, I actually found that I got better at the sport a lot quicker when there wasn't this pressure of competition or any of that kind of stress. Um, to boot, I was starting school. At the same time, I transferred from Ryerson over to UOIT. Is that because you could be closer to home? Uh, to be honest, it was just I had enough of the engineering. I realized this okay. wasn't going to be the profession for me. I actually wanted to help people uh, with exercise, fitness. Um, so kinesiology is where yeah. you're going. And yeah. UOIT is, what is that? Uh, University of Ontario Institute, Institute of Technology. Okay, It's where cool. I went to Teachers College, actually. Right. All Fantastic right. university. Of course, oh, I, I know. It. Very I accommodating. Yeah. I know, but, you know, our listeners might not know, right? <laughs> it's, it's very closely affiliated with Durham College. I and see. I have to say, my experience there for a year, and I don't know if you, you could speak to the same, but extremely accommodating for people. I was very open in teacher's college about having Crohn's disease. Um, and they were so accommodating, like when it came to exams and just making sure that I was comfortable and okay and making me feel accepted. So, Thank you, you yeah. You owe it. <laughs> yeah. You owe it. <laughs> Honestly, they were amazing. Um, the only downfall was I had no idea that they had these services in place for my first two years. Do you see this? Ah, it was yes. actually This anxiety. is at every university. It was anxiety that brought me to a counselor who was like, hey, I have something that can help you. You don't have to write tests, like three-hour tests, and worry about going to the bathroom because we have this test center that accommodates for you. I'm like, has this been here all four years? He's like, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, that would have okay, been great so to this know. is this is something that I still cannot get over. That What year was your diagnosis? Well... 20, Six years ago, so 2011. 2011. Okay, yeah. so I, it's really important that we focus on that little gap, and we, we reinforce that there is that major gap between when somebody gets a diagnosis yeah. and when they have their first appointment with the gastro or whatever, and f like they so don't know, said, they come in without any idea of what they're. Yeah, nothing. Mm -hmm. No clue. You know, and then, yeah, like it just seems to me that if we could. F and your experience was different, Lisa, that because gap. you were diagnosed as a child, yeah. and I feel like the. I feel like, you know, sick kids and, you know, child health care is bang on with yes. making sure the transition, yeah. because it's a child. But when you get a diagnosis as an adult, it's just like you're an adult. Here's your diagnosis. Out you go. They yeah, assume that you up. have the avenue yeah. To, yeah. to figure it out yourself. And like, it's super broken. Yeah. It's super yeah. broken. So Even, you said you didn't know you had a chronic illness until about a year afterwards. Is that because yeah. you got sick again? No, it was actually, I went into the office and I, I asked the doctor, I was like, when can I stop taking these? And he's like, you're on it for life. And it was just like complete shell like shock. Coach. So that was three months after your... That was a year after. No, this that was, was this after. was coming on to a year after. And it was just kind of like, whoa, I didn't make the connection between chronic and And you were taking lasting. the meds for a year at that point? Yeah. So you had kept taking them? Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, okay, if this keeps the symptoms away, I'll do it. Um, to my own ignorance, I didn't pay any attention once the symptoms were gone. And that was, that was my own fault. And that's my biggest advice to most people is, like, educate yourself on what's going on, right? As yeah, soon as you get that di diagnosis, I mean, don't go and Google it because Google will say you're dying from a brain tumor, yes, even if your you. foot hurts. Thank you. So, no, I mean. I, I was told by my gastroenterologist, my first gastroenterologist, to go and Google it. Yeah. Oh, terrible. And, well, that's what it was. And of course, you know, my, the increased risk of having colon cancer and all of the stuff I'm reading and the medications can be causing this and this and this. And this is where I sat and this is why I sat in silence for so long. I didn't even tell my parents for the first little bit. They thought I had 
like an antibiotic <coughs> prescription to get better. That's what they thought. Chantel was embarrassed of the symptoms and uh, just being told I had a chronic illness from a like a Google something I Googled, and ha and I was right in the middle of university too. And you know, mm -hmm. I think there's something really important about that piece of it too, because I think when somebody gets a diagnosis and they feel like they go from a healthy person to someone with a chronic disease, there is a denial, you mm -hmm. know, that mm -hmm. is almost. Um, instinctive like no i'm not a sick person that that bothered me but then i got well I, i'm not i'm not like those other people who got sick i'm gonna you know 100%. and i was very much like mike i was right? very active i was playing competitive volleyball at u of t like i had played ontario volleyball my whole life and so, until i was old until i started when i was young enough to even touch a ball you know um i was dancing there was a ton of stuff i was doing and then I just got smacked with this. Yeah. And it's hard. Mm -hmm. So you started going back to jiu-jitsu. Everything was fine. Did you, did you have a moment where you, ha you got sick? Because you're not on Mezzavant anymore. You're on a new medication. You're not doing jiu-jitsu anymore. Something happened. Yes. Tell us about that. So I thought I was smarter than my doctor. Oh. Which is... Me too. Uh, yeah. Sometimes. Most of us do. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what does he know? He sees me once every three months, I think it was at that time. You know, I, again, ignorance. I thought he wasn't listening to me. I thought, you know, uh, I'm telling him I'm better. Nothing's going on. I was convinced these pills were hurting my stomach because around the end of my first year of university, my stomach was starting to slowly kick into gear and start hurting again. Like pain. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was very odd just here and there um at the time i'm still weightlifting um and then one day after my first year exams i just decided i was done with these pills i'm not taking them anymore mm. and so i stopped taking my mesavant i ended up getting two jobs over the summer one was full-time and another part-time so i was sleeping like maybe four hours a night and then i woke up one day and all the symptoms that I had ever experienced came back and tenfold, like lost 15 pounds in a week. Um, didn't really have an appetite, blood, mucus, the whole thing. I ended up quitting both those jobs. So what are your main symptoms? Your main symptoms were blood, mucus, pain in this like abdomen. Yeah. Any, did you have any joint pains? Did you have night sweats, um, fever? A little bit of a fever. Like did you I, have inflammation around your like joints anywhere so that's hard to tell because i was still active right so any pain i felt i was like oh like is this right like i had i w went from competing in sports to thinking you know maybe i'll try competing in weightlifting who knows i don't know it's it's something i can easily do or at least what thought about i could do skin did you have like any blisters or boils or skin rashes anywhere at all not out of the ordinary right um I tried to pay attention for it because once I got diagnosed, I mean, I have the resources through university where I can look at actual journal articles. Right. So, so you I was started looking through reading everything that. and like, I'm a huge nerd. Like I, it's summer break and this morning I was reading a textbook kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I kind of knew what to look for, but there was no warning. Just bam, right away, blood, pain, mucus. And, and did you instantly fast. reach out to your doctor? Like, I got to get back in to see you and. No, I, of course no. you didn't. No, no, I thought, okay. Lisa, we have IBD. We don't do those things. <laughs> we go to the doctor when we're bleeding and we need to. Sure, but I'm just wondering, like, did you instantly connect it with your ulcerative colitis? Did so you... I did. I did. I knew right away that's what it was. Oh, but okay. I didn't realize the progression of the disease. So I was like, oh, you know, I'll just take the pills again. I'll be fine in a week. Mm, do you remember how long okay. it was before you had the symptoms? Like you stopped taking the pill. Was it a week later? Was it like three days later? It was, from what I remember, about a month or two. Oh, that's a while then. Yeah. Oh, so, so you were confident. You're like flying through this. Oh, like, I was like, good. I am cured. Who's <laughs> going to tell me that this is a chronic disease? Right. Like, I don't have this. And yeah, it just like a hammer hit me real hard. Um, you have this. Yeah. <laughs> a hammer with that and, stamped on the end <laughs> of it. Exactly. And that's where that denial that you're talking about just dissipated. I was like, okay, this this sucks. And then that's that was probably the most inactive period of my life. I'd quit both jobs. So how long did you wait before you seeked help? You lost um, 15 pounds in a week. You were bleeding. You had mucus. You had pain. So probably I waited three weeks because I started taking the medication again. And I had a conversation with my doctor from the past who said, this stuff takes time to work. So it's like, all right, I'll give it two weeks. If it's still bad, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go back. 
Did you go to him or emerge? I went to him. Mm. I went to him. I am too prideful and stupid to do anything like that. I've talked to my wife since about that time in my life, and she's like, probably should have taken you to the hospital multiple times. Mm -hmm. But of course, we weren't married at the time, so she didn't see all of it. Mm -hmm. She just, you know. We weren't living together. Yeah. And my guess is you were trying to hide a lot of it, right? I was. Yeah. Or not being completely open <laughs> about what was happening. Yeah. Well, it's embarrassing symptoms. Absolutely. We all, we all know that. Yep. Um, what makes it kind of ironic is my wife's a nurse. She sees this stuff, similar stuff all the time. All the time. Yeah. So <laughs> for me not to say anything to her, it was just my own mental block and thinking, you know, she's going to get grossed out and leave me, even though, you know, her placement was, you know, cleaning up poop. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it, it's normal for her. Um, so you went to your doctor after three weeks. I went to my doctor and he was like, okay, puts me on the regimen, you know, steroids. Um, mm -hmm. At one point, methotrexate, nothing was working. Ended up doing enemas, which was a whole different thing for Welcome. me. Welcome. Oh. Welcome to the enema space. You know, I cried. <laughs> it's a safe space. <laughs> it's a safe space. <laughs> I was so terrified of them. He told me on my 25th birthday that I needed enemas, and if these didn't work, I was going for surgery. And I just remember coming home and just crying because I didn't want to do the enemas, and I was terrified of surgery. And I think that was the point where my mom realized I was really sick because the whole time, like I told my parents, I have it. My dad was like, oh, he, he, I think associated with hemorrhoids. Well, surgery, that word surgery is a big, that's the word. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you hear surgery, yeah, it's like, holy so shit, what's it's, wrong? Like, now I go in the hospital, everything yeah. changes. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the procedure, right? See, the, the interesting thing about surgery too is it's also the hope like that, oh, I just need this procedure. And, and be then better. everything yeah. will be normal again, yeah. you know? So I'm assuming you got over it and you started taking the enemas. I did. And it worked for you. Now, this is two years ago? This is, yeah, two years two ago. Two years ago. Two okay. years ago. Um, the enemas didn't work, actually. They oh. actually, it was weird. So the blood went away. But now I'm at school and I think I got a fart. And now not just a fart's coming out. You're sharding. Yes. Now, we call it, I came up with a new expression for it. It's a technical foul. <laughs> <laughs> You'll appreciate I like, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to use that now. <laughs> so yeah, that started happening at school. And so now, now I don't want to go to school. Now I don't want to do the enemas. My medication's not working. And now I start finding myself kind of going to dark spots where it's like, you know what, do I have to go to class? No, I'm going to skip class. I'm going to class. And now all my classmates think I'm weird because as soon as the prof's like, okay, we're done, my book's already closed, I'm out the door. Yeah. Right? I'm running to a bathroom. not socializing anymore. Oh, it was... But also trying to get from point A to point B. Like you yeah. have to get from your house to school. Yeah, which was a whole different journey now. Especially yeah. you throw in, I'm experiencing pain. It was hard to drive because I was starting to feel pain. And then um, your anxiety makes your stomach go in more knots and your intestines, you know, fluctuate even more. And then that makes you want to go to the bathroom more because just you're stressing about circle. going to the bathroom. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, Chantel and I have had discussions about like places you can be, moments you can be in when that automatic feeling kicks in. For me, it used to kick in around going to the library or going Christmas shopping because the unending task of having to get through your list yeah. find something for everybody and get it done it's in a short stressful. period of time would trigger my Crohn's attack like like madness. I've actually, I've written a few articles on that come Christmas time about, hey, this is how I handle it during Christmas time and like something that used to be so joyous to me. I love Christmas. Like mm -hmm. I'm like a child. Um, like I'll see a Christmas tree and start screaming because I'm excited. Mm -hmm. um, it became a nightmare. It is. Right? That, that packed mall. But even still, like even Christmas holidays, like it's a time that you have to leave and go see all your family. And it's, it, it's Christmas holiday is not a relaxing holiday. Not. This is a very busy, stressful holiday. You have to go see this family. You have to go see this family. You're balancing this and that. And you have to get gifts. And Christmas for me is like, I don't like the holiday at all because of that. Because I want to relax. When I get my two weeks off, I want to relax. I don't want to be on a schedule for where I have to go. And then the food and the sweets and everything else. And it's just, it's not fun for me. Like, I just, I'm going to my house and I'm shutting the door. I think mm -hmm. that's a pretty common mm -hmm. thing for people with Crohn's. I mean, for a lot of people, they just, the act of going out, right? Like, getting out of the comfortable 
yeah. clothes you're wearing to minimize your flare, minimize your yeah. discomfort, yeah. and having to dress up and then leave and be social as if nothing's a, happening. Yeah, like just put a smile on your face. Like, yeah. How are things? Things are great. What about you, Auntie? <laughs> like, you know, how many bathrooms in this house again? <laughs> Which are the le less trafficked bathrooms? <laughs> Merry Christmas. So I'm assuming the steroids helped you then, or is that when you had to switch into? You're on Symphony now, so is that when? Yeah. You, that's so, when you switched two years ago. Um. So the steroids helped a little bit, but it didn't help enough. And he didn't want, my doctor didn't want to keep me on them for, I think it was more than 12 weeks. Yeah. It's a long, I, I think it's it was hard to do steroids for a long time. Yeah. So I went from steroids to the enemas, the enemas, I came back into the office. I'm like, this is, I'm not doing this. Like this is causing me more anxiety than my actual colitis. So then he said, okay, well, we got to evaluate options. Started talking about the immunosuppressants, um, Humira, Remicade. And then he told me that there could be a price tag to it. Mm -hmm. And I think, I'm just throwing a number because it's what's stuck in my head, but 1500 a month was in my head. Um, yeah, it's usually, for did, Humira would be close to 19, 2000 actually, depending on how many needles you were taking. And Remicade yearly could run you to like $90,000 a year. Yeah. That's, that's, is there any, do you have any coverage at that point? Like anything that can help alleviate? So only through school because, right. because I'm over 25 at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't on my dad's health insurance, right. um, and the school covered me, but not for stuff like this, or yeah. at least I, I was in the process of getting a Humira exemption through my school health yeah, insurance. Yeah, it won't be like full coverage. It'll yeah. be like 80%, but 80% on $2,000 is still, still a, a big deal. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was this huge, you know, um, trick and pony show just to get the insurance company to get me the form, Never mind hand it in and do the battle of that. So it was actually through trying to investigate my health insurance options that my doctor called back and said, hey, Symphony's doing this thing where it's giving it out for free if you fit the criteria. It was like a trial period at that point, right? For ulcerative colitis? I believe so. Yeah, because Symphony so. was originally approved for rheumatoid arthritis. So they probably were doing almost like a trial. Like if you fit like A, B, C, and D, we'll allow you to try this drug for free and it worked for you? It's been working, yeah. It's been, so yes. it's knock on wood, Lisa. Yeah. So I gotta say, it's not it's not symptom free. No. You know the stress diet all kind of adds to it. Um, diet's a big one for me that I just you know I was hoping wasn't the case, but it is. I like my gluten a lot, pizza especially, and I'm starting to realize that you know maybe if I go gluten free, I'll feel better. Oh, see, gluten doesn't bother me. It's the only thing I can eat. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting. I. I have thoughts about gluten and uh, uh, I've been listening to a lot of people talk about how gluten is not like a lot of people self-diagnose gluten allergies absolutely and unless you're celiac it really isn't um, it really isn't a thing that we should be without but I have heard lots of Crohn's and colitis people also mm -hmm. say that the gluten is a real issue for them too yeah. so see if not I everyone. don't eat gluten, I don't have a problem a lot of with it's it. like fruits and vegetables and that's what makes me sick Fruits and vegetables. And I was just saying, like, I have a whole ton of ulcers again in my mouth, again, everywhere. And I've been eating a ton of fruit over the last couple of weeks, and I'm almost positive this is what's causing right. it. It's kicking up. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, no more of these fruits. This, this is out. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I don't want to put the sole blame of disease on, on gluten, right? Like, But you're noticing it could be it's, a trigger for you. Yeah, so I, I came about that through uh, a, a different podcast I was listening to, and this guy, Rob Wolf. Uh, he was on it. He said he had ulcerative colitis, um, a whole bunch of other symptoms. His parents had symptoms. Um, he was a vegan at the time, I believe. Mm. Um, big into like breads and leg legumes though. He met a guy who was starting to talk about paleo and he's a, I believe a biochemist graduate. So he started looking into that and through the paleo diet, he found relief. And so at the time that I came across him, I was desperate, right? It was right before the injections said, what do I got to lose? I went on this paleo diet and now I cheated here and there, but I noticed that I started to feel a lot better. Mm. My problem is I don't like vegetables that much. Mm. So <laughs> that's a big problem with paleo diet. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up losing more weight than I wanted to. I think I was down to like 147 pounds. And that's not healthy when you're trying to battle the disease either. Exactly. So yeah. I had to kind of weigh my options and say, okay, you know what? At this point in my life, is it feasible? And it just, it really wasn't. So uh, 
I ended up getting off the diet, eating gluten, and then would you look at that, symptoms got worse, a little bit worse again, and I started noticing a little bit more pain, like joint pain now because I wasn't being active. And you were on symphony at this point? Um, just after I stopped the paleo diet, I started symphony. So what's your symphony injections now? Do you go, is, are you often? Are you every couple of weeks, once a month? What are you? Just once a month and it's, it's an auto injector. So I do it at home. It's really easy. Um, so auto injectors for uh, those of you who don't know, it's, it's like an EpiPen. You just kind of like push it and it shoots in and that's that. That's the yeah, auto injector. for the best. Yeah. Hope for the best, yeah. Sometimes in your hurts, leg and your doesn't. stomach? Uh, my arms. Oh, your arms. Yeah. Oh, that's way better. Yeah. Yeah, Humera is right in the thigh or the stomach. Like you grab a piece aye and you aye just aye. chunk stomach, her in. Uh, yeah, I've heard that one. <laughs> stomach <laughs> needles. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay, so I want to get back to this uh, idea of where sport came in it for you. How are you managing now? Like when did you make the connection to pain relief and sports? So yeah, tell us about... Tell us where you are now. Right now, I'm pretty good. How'd you get here? Um, so what got me into it was I actually ended up fighting a little bit of depression and anxiety. And that was really worrying for me. I'd never experienced anything like it before. Um, and it was just out of desperation. I started looking online for, you know, are there athletes with ulcerative colitis or Crohn's? Mm -hmm. Like, I might not be managing well, but there's got to be someone out there that is. You need that hopeful story, though. I was yeah. the same thing. Very heavy depression, severe I think anxiety. it's a, a natural... Um, Absolutely, it's natural. Yeah. It's a natural byproduct of having a disease that... Absolutely. You know, like that nobody quotes, <laughs> frantic air quotes, nobody else has. But that's how... It's not the reality, but that's how you feel when you get the diagnosis. Yeah, and no one prepares you for it, so it hits you even harder. Like, you think physical illness, there's, there's no mental side effects at first, and then they just... They surprise you. And then they tell you it's chronic. You'll have it all your life. Exactly. It just this gets worse. This is why worse. there needs to be, you know, and I believe that when you're diagnosed with a chronic illness, it, the healthcare has to change. It has, you have to be given a team. You mean it, you don't think it's enough to be handed a, a sheet a with some to Google it? it? No, it, we've got, like, because, like, if you're diagnosed with any chronic illness, you should be given your gastroenterologist or whatever your chronic illness is associated, you should be given some kind of a nutrition, you should be given a psychiatrist or some kind mm -hmm. of social worker, counseling, something. Even if at the time you don't think you're gonna need it, you're go eventually you will. Like I needed it, I still need it. My anxiety today, it, controls my life. My God, your mm -hmm. support system needs it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like they need to fully like, understand. Yeah. Were, you you, were you married at this point? Uh, when you hit the depression anxiety or were you engaged? You were still, you were obviously with it. It was right before we got engaged actually. Yeah, see, and so like, this it, is a lot for people to take, you know? Yeah. And if it, I, I'll uh, give a shout out to my wife now and my mother, because if it wasn't for those two, I would have never realized I was depressed. Their or, names? Um, so Laura Short mm -hmm. is my wife. Laura, big ups, Laura. You're the best. I know you. You're pretty sweet. <laughs> and then my mom is Rena Short. Rena mom. and moms, because good moms to all moms. Yeah, we had Sherry yeah. on the podcast here with two sons with Crohn's disease. You know. Thank so yeah, they were they were a huge help, and they were like, "Hey, you should you should see someone about this." So I went and tackled my mental health with a counselor, which was great. Um, First of all, I just want to say that's fantastic that you did that. Yeah, it, it took a lot. It was. It was that's a lot, a lot of, of. That's a lot of acceptance. You have to accept to decide that I I need help. I need help with a mental illness in a, a society in which we live. That's really big. So yeah. I commend you. That's very fantastic. So how did you get put in touch with that mental health? Uh, through school, actually. Oh, good. I, I called the the school help, and they you know they do the whole rigmarole and it was almost uh, a turnoff because the first question they ask is or one of the first is um are you thinking about hurting yourself I was and say, is, was this, it suicide is this an emergency and i almost then i was gonna be like no click but i i was like no just finish the phone call like take your pride out of this like there's something going on you need, you probably, need help with. They probably asked that question first because in university the suicide rates are quite high actually well so yeah it's, it's probably like a first okay I think we know this is an emergency, but do we dealing, come now? I think the person dealing most mental health issues will uh, issue workers will want to know the severity of exactly. you know, exactly. your panic, your anxiety. Mm -hmm. your and I'm actually working on mental health in my master's degree right now and investigating student mental health and everything. And some of the research articles I've come across, I didn't realize how prevalent it actually is. Yeah, it's a big problem. Um, 
but yeah, so tackling, tackling the mental health aside, um, I just wanted to get out of the house. So the counseling was helpful for you. It was. So you it recommend was. it. Like people with IBD who, you know, anxiety, <clears throat> depression often, as we said, comes hand in hand, but, and you were like, this helped you yeah, going to 100%. counseling was, it really helped you. Yeah. So if you're listening and you're struggling right now and you're in a dark place, Go to the counseling. Go find those resources. Find the resources. Or talk to somebody who can, like perhaps Laura or Rena Short, uh, <laughs> who can take you there, take that, that piece for you and, and find Absolutely. you mm -hmm. some help. And please know that you are normal. You're not abnormal because you have anxiety or depression. My this God, is normal. everyone should have a, Absolutely. a paid therapist to just to help them. And there's no shame I in agree. it. Sort. There's, there's no shame in it admitting it. There's no shame in having to get help. If you had strep throat, you'd have to go to the doctor and get help. You know, if you have mental illness, if, you're, if your mental health is not healthy, then you need to go and get help to get better. Plain and simple. Yep. Okay, can you yeah. tell everybody? <laughs> <laughs> so with the mental health taken care of, I, I did my internet search for athletes with the disease, kind of see if they get out of the house, I can. Um, I was starting to get into soccer. Uh, I wasn't always a soccer player. I was a hockey player that always looked down on soccer, which is ironic because now I love soccer and I don't play hockey anymore. Um, but I came across uh, an interview with a player, Darren Fletcher, who used to play for Manchester United, my favorite team. Um, and that's he, the jersey you're wearing that's today. That's the jersey I'm for wearing everybody now. everybody can't yeah. see Mike. <laughs> yeah. Avid fan. They better win today, by the way. Um, but also he now plays for West Brom in the Premier League right. over in England. So I was reading his story, and you know it starts off with, with all the stuff we can all relate to. Can't go out for dinner with friends. Can't do anything with his kids. Um, you know, it would take him three hours to get to his practice, which is, I'm, I'm pretty sure, twice a day for someone in professional sports. Oh my God. And then it got to the point where it said, you know, when he was playing, though, he felt normal. And that resonated with me because mm -hmm. all I wanted to do was feel normal, even if it was just for an hour. And that normal, you weren't necessarily referring to the symptoms, but you're just referring to the weight of the mental... Yeah, stress it was, of having a chronic illness. Yeah, everything like the you know, thoughts you're constantly having to on your brain. Yeah, the disease was consuming my life. Every mm -hmm. thought, every every moment, like couldn't do anything without thinking about it. So at that point, it was okay. You know what? He got some sort of normal life playing sports. Well, I'm gonna try. Mm -hmm. So that same day, I looked online. Um, and that's my, and you went to soccer. Yeah, You're I went like, to this soccer. This guy's playing soccer. I'm yeah. going to play soccer. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's successful for him. You know what? I'm starting to appreciate the sport. Why not? I'm not going to go play hockey if a soccer player found success with this. Maybe eventually I'll, I'll see. But right now, I just want to do what's been shown to work. Well, hockey's hard too. Like, you, you've got equipment on. So I played hockey. Well, yeah. Like when, when this all started, I was still playing hockey. Um, a buddy of mine had a summer league. I tried playing and it was like, put all the equipment on five minutes till you we get on the ice. The and yeah, I'm taking yeah. it all off. It's oh not, it's not very convenient. Yeah. I was like, this, this <laughs> isn't worth it. Yeah. The oh, no. it was terrible. No. I didn't realize that at the time, once I got on the bench and was playing, I was fine. Um, but, but it's it, getting there. Yeah. It wasn't until I, I read the interview and then I signed up for my school intramurals and I was playing and I'm like, this is great. I mean, leading up to the game, I'm nervous. There's still symptoms, but I play. And then the next day after, I feel great. Yeah. Now at this point, you're obviously, your disease is quite manageable at this point because you're able to play. Because when you, when people are flaring, like I've had mm -hmm. flares where someone has to carry me to the bathroom. Like I'm definitely not playing soccer. Yeah. So you were managing at mm -hmm. this point. You were still having symptoms, but you were getting on with your daily life. Relatively. I was still yeah. going to the bathroom, you know, 20 times a day. There was still pain there, but I wasn't stuck at home. I right. wasn't in the hospital. Right. Um, okay. So and that next day feeling is the thing that interests uh, yeah, me a lot because I remember when I was running <coughs> and I started running competitively, I would describe the pre-day run feelings like having a little, just a little bit of broken glass sprinkled throughout mm -hmm. my digestive system, you know, like <laughs> just a little bit, just, just a some shards, of shards just thrown. <laughs> and then 
it was during the running that I would feel this warming sense of well-being, you know, like it's the only way to describe it, like this sense of well-being that would like be in my head, it would clear my head of depression or anything. I just, you're just so, sing so you have such single focus and yeah. a general sense of wellness and, and like your endurance kicks up. Mm -hmm. And then I remember walking away from running, like just sailing away on this feeling of just endorphin rush that was a natural pain reliever yeah. and would go so far into the next day for me too. I've noticed a lot of that when I do have enough strength to play volleyball and now that we're doing Tai Chi. Um, it does, it, like you said, it, your anxiety goes away. Yeah. All of that go and I that's think so much of it. Would you mm -hmm. not agree that anxiety that yeah, becomes almost a part of the pain? When that anxiety yeah. goes away, it's because you're focusing. Like in Tai Chi, it looks simple, but it's not. There's so much focus that's required in Tai Chi. And you have no choice but to focus on that moment. Yeah. Just like when you mm -hmm. play a game, you have to focus on, you know, you're a goalie in soccer, being playing volleyball. You have to focus on what you're currently doing right at that moment. You don't think about work. You don't think about health. You don't think about anything. Mm -hmm. It just, it takes, and I think that's the difference I've discovered, and I'm assuming you're going to talk about that. That's the difference for me in sports and the gym. Yes. I cannot huge. do the gym. So I started in sport and then started to branch back into the gym. I got into the sport, like I was still working out with my symptoms and Granted, I could get through the workout, mm -hmm. but I was still having the symptoms. Right. Once once I kicked into sports, symptoms were gone for that day. And then I started bringing weight training back into it. And I realized that the weight training, like, it's nice. I like being healthy. I like weightlifting. But unless I was running and doing a treadmill cardio workout, um, I wasn't getting the benefits I was in sports. So it's the cardio that definitely gave you the... Well, weightlifting yeah. is hard on the body, too, yeah. if you think about it. Like, you're putting a lot of stress on your body. And when you're weightlifting, like, when you're at the gym and you're lifting weights, for me anyways, this is, like, this is the exact opposite of meditation. <laughs> I am thinking about everything and anything when I'm at the gym. Like, my brain goes... From like low self-esteem to, oh my God, I have all this stuff to do, to I'm in pain, to da 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 Because it's just repetition over and over. It's mindless repetition to me. Yeah. And I, can, I cannot meditate. Well, that's the hardest yeah. thing with the gym, especially because when you first walk in there, everyone who's ever first walked into a gym, you look around and you'll either notice the really fit people on one side of the gym. Or the extremely non-fit. Yeah. And then yeah. you're like, well, I must fit into the non-fit because this is my first day. And then that just adds the anxiety. So unless yeah. you've been yeah. doing it for a while, I, yeah. I usually don't recommend that. For now, if you can go ask... to the gym and it works for you, fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Let me ask you, do you, like, because listening to what you're describing about going and, I, and listening to you too, Chantel, about weightlifting, how much do you think it's the gameplay, like the injection of a game, the sport sort of atmosphere into it. I think a hundred percent makes you ninety nine point nine. That brings the relief, you know, like as opposed to like focusing on personal uh, endurance or for like my running was all about personal endurance. It was about work, but I had a sense that I was. I, I would actually visualize that I was running away from the disease, you know, like, and you had something get, to focus on the, the faster I go, the further yeah. I get away from it. And it was very focused. But for you, how much was the game environment, uh, a, a piece of your recovery? Yeah. So for me, um, the game definitely aids with the mental side of things. Yeah. The, you're no longer thinking about your disease. Um, the social aspect of it is fantastic. It's actually yeah. something I've been, I agree um, too. It gives me life. Yeah. It's I'm, the same feeling I get when I go to a concert, live music. I love yeah. music. Music is a therapy for me. Music gives me the same, like, like I just, I feel so positive. I, f like, I feel like I can conquer anything. Mm -hmm. I'm a part of something. Yeah, and that social aspect was something I found I was missing when I was sick and that I really wanted to. Once I got that, it was, it opened up my eyes to one of the main powers of sport. And it's so much so that um, one thing I've been investigating recently, and my wife is not a fan, but... Um, <laughs> Can't wait to hear this. <laughs> uh, it's called eSports, the, the gaming world. Oh, we're gonna, their... we got, you've got to tell us about your... You tell, yeah, so you, first of all, so you've got a website. 
Yes. It's a wicked website, by the Thank way, you. for those Thank of you who are listening. Athleticsforlife.com. Uh, Wix.com backslash home. Okay, let me read this. Wix, W-I-X. Yes. Wix. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, and it's just Athletics for Life, all one word, or there's um, dashes? There's dashes Okay, so, guys, listen up. Here's the website. you got to go to the website. So, it's athletics dash for f o r dash life dot w i x dot com slash home yeah or i googled it this is something you should google ironic me <laughs> <laughs> and google um just google athletics for life and i think it's the first thing that comes up um but again, athletics-for-life.wix.com backslash home. Go to the website. I'm on it right now. It looks great. And I love your, your slogan underneath. It says, Athletics for Life. When impossible is defined, it simply becomes another hurdle. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's great. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so tell us about your website. Why do you have this website? So Is it just you? Right now, it's just me. It actually started um, kind of as a pipe dream because when mm -hmm. I first got diagnosed, um, well, sorry, when the symptoms first started, I should say, I thought any sort of sport in my life was done. You thought your life was over. Yeah. Yeah. And then I started playing soccer. Um, I realized I was actually a pretty decent goalkeeper. I started wondering, like, okay, I know it sounds crazy, but if me with someone with a chronic disease can go to a tryout, an open tryout, and whether I make it or not, that doesn't matter. But You're if there. I, but if I'm there and I'm actually doing the workout, doing the practices, and having these guys look at my performance, that's a huge accomplishment. Absolutely. And so I started to think, and even when I didn't have a disease, we're always told, you know, like, that's a ridiculous dream. Whether you want to be a pro athlete, you want to be in a rock band, like, whatever it is, if it's, if it's anything to do with fame or notoriety, a lot of people will tell you, no, it's impossible. So that's where the slogan comes from, actually, because I, I made the website to chronicle my journey from being severely symptom-ridden to an open tryout with uh, an MLS team. That was, the, that was the whole goal. Wrote about that. I would keep my game stats on there, so if anyone was interested, they could see it. Um, wrote my blog. Uh, just kind of chronicling what I went through. Um, and then I got a research internship and realized that the power of research, awareness, and education can really benefit others. So now I've kind of changed the site going from, okay, follow me on my journey to here's some information I think is very important to Educate do. yourself on your journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I still talk about my journey in a way. Now, I'm not aiming towards an open triad or anything anymore. I've kind of dedicated myself now to educating others as to what's helped me out because I, I want to see everyone manage their symptoms. That's my this goal. This is the reason why we started this podcast, Lisa. Yeah. It's the same thing. And, you know, you said you reached, you you found solace in reading about Darren Fletcher's story and how he was managing, and someone's going to come to your website, and you'll be their Darren Fletcher. That's the goal. That's you know what, what I, I mean? That's what I hope. I, like, And it's not to be egotistical to be like, hey, look, I can – you know, I can do this to hundreds of thousands of people. The whole reason for that website was if one person, that's all I'm looking for, one person mm -hmm. can change and say, hey, you know what? Sport helped me out. I'm no longer, you know, for me it was I was in my mom's basement playing video games. Now mm -hmm. I can go outside and live a normal life. Absolutely. So if I can do that for someone else, just one person, that's a success. And what's so unique great. about your story too is like we're not sitting here and saying everybody who has Crohn's disease is able to play sports right no. now. But you might have a moment in your life where you can't and that's okay mm. and that's the course of the disease but just like somebody's going to try different medications or you know you had mentioned yoga i Absolutely. mentioned tai chi volleyball you're mentioning soccer any type of sport you we mentioned maybe gluten is what's not good for yeah. you it's worth trying absolutely mm -hmm. i go back to that moment where yeah. I, I i ran when i was in grade five i was a cross-country runner and, you know, I was like doing really well in grade five. I got my diagnosis right around the same time and it shut me down. Flash forward to my 30s when I have this moment of ang I've anxiety, I've moved to a new city and I have a little bit of like a little bit of health shining through some bad days. 
And I just decided to go for a run because why not? I want to get mm -hmm. out, get some fresh air, see my new neighborhood. And little did I know it would provide so much pain relief. So I think it's really important mm -hmm. that people who are listening to this right now go to Mike's website, check it out, see if there is uh, something that you can relate to. Absolutely. You know, like if you are somebody who has uh, had dreams of being a professional athlete and it's been waylaid by a chronic disease, go read somebody else's story, you and know, like. Yeah. Just informing yourself that there are people And before we go, overcome. tell us about your gaming against disease, because this is super cool. You just did mention video games, so yeah. I figured this is perfect. Yeah. And definitely tell us about the next the next date, so I think two weeks from now. So tell us about all that right now. Tell okay, us. Okay, so it initially started as I wanted to reach uh, a younger audience. Um, and one of my friends, uh, his name is Brian Cowan, he started a production company with his friends for Twitch. It's called Sarcastic Owl Productions. Um, Sarcastic Owl? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, love I like it. that. <laughs> it's a really cool setup they got. Um, but I talked to him and I said, hey, man, can you help me out? I want to reach a younger audience. You know, everyone that I talk to with this disease, for the most part, seems to be really shy about it. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be outspoken. So I want to give people the option to send questions in anonymous. Bleh anonymously if they want Absolutely. via email um you know facebook whatever way they want they can even ask them live um and i'll answer them on air you know they could ask me about my first battle with my flare or whatever they want um but this is just a way to interact with with people looking for help and so we decided that the video game route would get, you know, those newly diagnosed teenagers, mm -hmm. young adults. The kids who are in their basement. Yeah. Exactly. And are not going outside <laughs> and they're playing video games or the kids who can go outside and are just playing video games anyways. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, also not listening, doing their homework. Mabel? It's my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I also realized talking to um, just people I'd walk into or run into, um, they're watching these video games. I never personally watched this Twitch site before. Okay, so this is the thing. So... I don't know anything about video games. I will admit this now. All I know is what comes through my grade seven and eight students and what they <laughs> tell me. Um, so people don't only play video games, but they also go to websites where they watch virtually other people play video games. Yes. Is this to like learn the skill of the video game? I've seen it a couple ways. Some people will watch to learn how to play it better. Some people, so for example, my stepbrother watched us last night playing. Uh, he had never finished the game that we were playing, so he just wanted to see what the ending was like. So he watched us it's for the ending. It's like a party, though, too, if you think about it. A bunch of kids go over to each other's houses, and they only have two controllers, and one else just sits around and watches. Really. Exactly, exactly. The some thing. Some guys that do it are entertaining. They they do giveaways, a whole bunch of stuff. There's wow. a whole bunch of, like, this community is huge, and I had no it's, idea. There are television shows Clearly that are simply just out. about watching gamers game. The only thing I know about gaming is the Leroy Jenkins video on YouTube, <laughs> which cracks me off every time I listen to it. Um, okay, so then you decided we're going to do this. We're going to yep. play video games. While people are watching us play a game, you're going to talk about Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. Yeah. And you're going to take questions from your viewers. Yeah, so one thing is, like, I don't start the whole show and then just ramble on about no, of course not. about myself. We we keep it into the game and you know if something happens we'll talk about it. Um, you know, it's just two friends relaxing, playing the game, raising awareness, answering questions if they come up. And um, so do you get a lot of questions? Like do you get a lot of people So it's still it's starting to take off now. Yeah. Um, what you can do is you can host other people's channels, which is just you show on nice. your channel what this other person's doing. doing. Uh, and we had a bunch of people doing that last night, so we're hoping a lot more viewers are, are tuning in. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah so yeah. It, it's really cool so to see it start to... So tell us the date to... of your next one. So our listeners, you're going to be able to tune in to Mike's next Gaming Against Disease because it's on... Uh, May 20th. May 20th. 7 p.m. 7 p.m. Uh, so do they go to your website to get the link? So they can go to the website to get the link. Uh, okay. I also post it on Facebook. Um, and your Facebook page is Athletics for Life also? Yeah. Yep. Okay, good. So on Facebook, get in there, like the page. Athletics we'll put it on a link on. Yeah, uh, we'll have a link on our Facebook awesome. page. Thank you. Um, I'm going to try and reproduce the link that he puts up. It's twitch.tv slash Sarcastic Owl Productions. That'll take you to their page, and then it, it pops up. We'll put, both, we'll put both up on our <laughs> yeah. page. We'll put your link. Okay. We'll put that link up there. You can send it, and we'll do that. Awesome, thanks. You. So, yeah, so we, we do that with Gears of War. Um, I've started to oh, branch out. War. Oh, I love that game. Favorite game ever. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, I've just started to branch out recently. I, uh, I was doing some research and I thought, you know, um, for what you brought up before, there are people that are too sick to go play sports. Absolutely. How can they get any sort of benefit? You know, I was really looking towards the social benefit of it um, through a couple sports psych classes that I took. I know imagery is a huge thing. Um, so I thought, are there these leagues online for some sports games where you can get with your own team and still experience that team bonding, the social aspect? I looked into it, and there's actually leagues specifically for this uh, soccer game, FIFA 17. So there's a mode where you just take control of one guy. Everyone takes control of one guy, so on your team there's 11 people all playing at once on your team <laughs> against, so against another team of 11. It's wild. The community is huge, and I thought, okay, you know what, I want to try this out. Is there anything that works with it? I ended up going to try out for these teams. Like, they're intense. There's tryouts. I tried out. I, I was not prepared for this. I'm like totally oblivious to this entire world. Like I was not prepared at all. I go to my tryouts and a couple of teams are like, yeah, you know, you're just not simply good enough. I'm like, okay, that's kind of not working in my favor. But I kept trying. Finally got on a team. Good God. Did practicing. They practice like twice a week. There's games. It's like an this actual. Is insane. It's a sports this actually team. Reminds me of this like um, this drone competition I saw on like Daily Planet or something <laughs> the other day. It was it was all these guys and it was all guys. I think maybe there was one or two in this field and they had these drones and they had an obstacle course set up, like a go through the hoop and go around the tree <laughs> mm -hmm. and and they were racing these drones and like. Drones? I don't know if you've ever operated a drone before, but these things are damn near impossible to operate, <laughs> okay? It's like those Nerf helicopters that you buy. They don't hover. No, no, don't. no I know. They go up and then they fall, okay? That's all they do. And a lot of these drones, and this is what they're racing, these drones, you win a trophy and a medal, like... And so then the trophy flies away. It's a real... It flies away. Like, I, and I, here I am thinking I'm, you know, I've got technology sorted out, okay? I'm... I'm in the middle of the pack. That's here. how you know you don't have I technology do started out. When you sit back and you're like, well, I, got no, it I don't know what out. is this I stuff for. Here. Uh, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't have it sorted out. That's but, amazing. Yeah, so I, I joined up. I played a couple games, and I started to realize like, there's something to this. Like, absolutely. Like these people now, at least the ones that show up, because our team didn't do so well, so a bunch just were like, "Hey, I'm out of here." But the ones that still show up. <laughs> Like it's like real teams. Yeah, <laughs> like, it is. It's we like suck, yeah. I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> and so I'm friends with these guys now. Where I'll log on to my Xbox and I'll get messages. Hey, you want to play? Like it doesn't even have to be FIFA. They'll be like, Hey, you want to play Gears of War? You want to play this game? And so, like you just you develop these friendships. So I've started to think like this may be a good avenue for someone who's too sick to go outside but still Sweet. wants to play. Yeah, this is a this is a it's amazing. This is a yeah. podcast on video games. This is what this sounds yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this right now, no, what we're doing? No, like this, this world <laughs> that I don't know It about. is, it is. You can podcast anything. That is, <laughs> this is brilliant. So, um, okay, so I just want to take you back to one thing before I completely forget it, uh, which is uh, focusing on the social aspect of the gameplay. Now, are any, is anybody that you've met through this world Somebody who also has Crohn's or colitis? Like on a soccer you... team or anywhere, really. Through um, the gaming world. So I haven't met anyone that has this specific disease. Um, I've talked to gamers that have other diseases. Chronic I, diseases. Yeah, and, actually yeah. through the, the Gears of War stream, um, came into contact with an individual who had lead poisoning as a child who has long-lasting symptoms who wanted help. Now, that's a little bit out of my area of expertise, but I'm not going to shy away from helping him. Right. So I try to do some research to help him. But I feel like that he's got to just be find comfort in knowing that somebody else has symptoms that don't go away. Yeah. You know? I, I would think that there's comfort just in knowing that, you know, there's somebody who's like, I'm going to look that up and try to understand yeah, a little absolutely. bit about yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, that's what I try to do with the, with the Gears of War streams. Like, it's not... While it is colitis and Crohn's specific, it's also not. So if someone comes in, like, through school, we get taught about certain chronic diseases, diabetes, asthma, how to deal with that physical activity-wise. Right. So if someone's st struggling with that, I can help them to a certain extent um, and give them advice. Anything I don't know, I always say, you know what, I'll research, I'll get back to you. 
the easiest right. way for me to do that is if I come in contact with them on the stream, like this, this guy with lead poisoning, I said, email me through my website. I'll look it up. I'll get back to you. I'll either, if you're comfortable with it, talk about it on air or I'll send you a personal email. Yeah, and it's not giving advice that a doctor would give either, but it's the fact that somebody cares enough to look it up, as you mentioned, Lisa, yeah. and find out about it, and then be able to have an educated conversation. Just the you. idea that you'd be able to discuss it Absolutely. in a venue that you wouldn't normally be having those conversations in, but because we've, you know, and not be judged. this venue, yeah, mm -hmm. you can bring it up. And people can ask questions of you. Has Have you had people asking you questions about ulcerative colitis uh on the stream no no um in person yes like I've, I've had people who've seen my site they either send me a facebook message or i'll know them personally right and they'll say hey man like like how did you do it and they'll mm -hmm. talk that way or even i've also gotten people come up and say you know like like i've had depression i don't have a physical chronic disease but i've been battling depression and your story helps me. Yeah, because it's not just a Crohn's ulcerative yeah. colitis story. This is a mental health story. This and is usually usually that is the truth. Absolutely uh, it is. That it is like it's more than the disease, it's all the things that are a product of the disease, like mental health. Exactly. Which is a challenge even if you don't have uh, a chronic disease, yeah. you know, like we in all deal society, with being alive in this yeah. crazy world. So mm -hmm. yeah. exactly. You know, trying to do it with an extra hurdle of a chronic disease is definitely a reason to get out and chat. Yeah. Well, Mike, thank you so much yes. for being here today thank and you for enlightening me. us about sport yeah. and, diet and diet and being open about sharing your journey, you know, from beginning to end with us, because I know as someone with IBD myself, it is a type of therapy oh, yeah. when I hear others and, you know, just hearing some of your, you know, Google it is here write your diagnosis yeah. on a piece of paper it saddens me that this is happening and you know that my story wasn't unique but but it really does i think for us mike illuminate a place where there's a problem we can yeah where we can like give give subtle direction on um putting some support in that area. Yeah, there mm -hmm. needs that to be area change. between diagnosis and your first. And another thing that I that you mentioned that I want to uh, put some information on on our website is the paleo diet because are you still are you still uh, paleo? I'm actually I've just started again. You've started okay. it again. Yeah. So you're going to try and see it again. Yeah, just to see okay, was it the gluten? What was it right. exactly? And not necessarily going too crazy into it. I know some people dive way into it and all of a sudden they've got blackout shades yep. and they go beyond the diet. I'm just strictly diet. We And we, we do not uh, like wholeheartedly endorse this diet. No. We I personally don't endorse any diet actually. Yeah. We <laughs> investigate for me, uh, what is working for um, different people who have the disease. And it's sort of up to you and your health practitioner to make, to make that your decision. decision. Absolutely. And yeah. if it works for you and it doesn't work for the guy beside you, then great. It's yeah. a good thing that it mm -hmm. works for you. But definitely here, though, you know, sport. I'm a big believer in that along uh, with me, Mike. Me so also. give it a try. Reach out to your local community center. Or Start with Mike. Start with Mike. I was going to say, any questions, um, I have a messaging email thing on the site shoot off questions. I'm open to the questions. Um, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And even answers I don't know, I'll resource out. I'll, yeah. I'll get as many answers we'll as I can. We'll put a link to Mike's website on our Facebook page so that you can, it's a seamless transition to get there. Yeah. Um, but thank you, Mike, for thank being you. here. Thank you. It's for awesome having me. to have you. Yeah, continued good health to you. Yes. Strength and well. positive thoughts. <laughs>